Welcome to A Drink with a Friend. I'm Seth Haynes. And I'm Tish Oxenreiter. So, Reed, you and I have talked about how obviously this pandemic isn't good, but there have been surprising good things that have happened this past year in spite of it. So what are some of the things that you've come to appreciate because of quarantine and lockdown and what we've had to do this year? I guess um, being able to stay home more. Mm-hmm. As an interval, I like not having to go to extra things. Um, right. Um, it's like just new ideas like for school and other things that are like, oh, we could do this even after the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Are there things that you don't want to see return once the pandemic gets better? Well, one thing I want to stay the same um, is like being able to zoom in or mm. Google me into um, class and stuff like that. Oh. Well, so you don't have to miss miss class if you are sick or mm-hmm. out. So you actually like virtual school a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Because not everyone does. Yeah, I like it. And then just generally, like, societally, what do you see that has become better because of a forced lockdown? I guess more people are getting to be more creative. Mm -hmm. Stuff like that. It's cool to see people be resourceful, right? Is that what you mean? It's kind of like people are tapping into a side of them they didn't know they had or didn't make the time to tap into. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're very grateful that we have not gotten really sick in our family. Would you say you will look back and think of this more as a good season in your life or as a bad season in your life? Kind of a mix. Really? It's like bad as in like pandemic, a lot of people can get together, but good as in I'm not forced to get together with people. (laughs) Spoken like an introvert. And being able to read more. Yeah. Do you want life to go back to normal? Like, kind of, what do you mean by normal? Because, like, there's some things I want to change, but also other things I can't want to stay the same. Yeah. And that's really the issue, right? What is normal? It's only, um, that's the only correct answer to that question. What is normal? Yeah. What do you mean by that? Uh, Tish, what are you drinking today? Well, we are talking in the late morning, which we don't always do, which means it's heavily coffee time. So I'm drinking good old black coffee. It's an Ethiopian heirloom blend from Cafe Crayle, which I actually can find in the regular grocery store, but it's decent coffee. Um, And they are, what do you call that? Sustainable, not free range. (laughs) Fair trade, fair trade. Free range coffee. That's amazing. It is, you know grass-fed coffee um (laughs) and i like it so it's just good it's just our staple standby so black coffee it is i'm on my second cup because it's late morning how about you what are you drinking i i mean this will not surprise you because again it is late morning and so i am drinking coffee also um and i'm drinking the standby onyx uh brew that i have been drinking for the last i don't know month and a half maybe Um, with the exception of a couple of breaks, I think for some airship, some beautiful airship coffee and that terrible coffee 
that I got <laughs> from my parents. But anyway, um, yeah, I'm I'm uh, drinking Onyx this morning, and it is delightful. And you know, we've been on spring break, so um, I have not been coming into the office space where I keep said Onyx, um, which means I've just been sort of drinking whatever we have at home. And I mm-hmm. forgot how good this stuff is. Right. It's right. so good. Good coffee is uh, one of life's great little pleasures. We just got back from camping last night and I brought one mug for everything. And so I had some herbal tea the first night and I could not get the taste out of the mug the entire time, yeah. even with like the strongest coffee. So the whole time I had this like weird herbal berry flavored coffee that was just horrific. Um, and I was just craving normal coffee. So that's what I've got this morning for the first time. Well, congratulations. It's uh, (laughs) always good to get away from the herbal coffee. It is. Yeah, it was awful. Anyway. So, you know, you know, um, you know what I like about what we're doing? What? I like that we're having conversations as friends, but also like this just kind of an embarrassing thing to say, but I've always been a fan of yours. (laughs) I am a Tish Oxenrider, and really everything Oxenrider, including Kyle Fan. Hmm. You know, that's kind of fun. And um, and one of the things that I really le- love is that as a fan, I get to learn from you. And this week, you um, in in our messaging, you dropped a phrase that I had never heard. Really, and the minute I heard it, I thought, "Huh, I wonder if that explains my entire forty years of living." And it's the concept of phono. So today, I am super excited as a fan to sit here and interview you and perhaps uh, learn some things from you. I hope you're ready for that. Um. Well, sure. <laughs> I don't think of myself as an expert so much as someone living in the reality of it. And that's why this topic is so interesting to me, because I think for the first time in human history, which we have been saying for a year now with this pandemic, we are all living through something collectively. Mm -hmm. And a year in, I think we're all shifting to this idea of phono, whether or not we realize it. And if you hear that jingling in the background, that is my dog, Ginny, scratching herself. Sorry. Um, Mm. We're just going to go with it. Anyway, so phono is this, you know, we all know a FOMO or most of us do. It's the fear of missing out, which, you know, thanks to the likes of Instagram, and other social media platforms is all too easy to succumb to in our life because we see other people going on amazing vacations and getting together and having clean houses and children that are, you know, that obey that you think, gosh, I am missing out on the good life that Instagram shows me, which of course we all know is heavily curated and most likely not at all real. Well, phono is this thing I read about a few weeks ago, no, a week ago. And to me, it was like, that is it. And it is the fear of normalcy. So phono with an N, it's the fear of normalcy. And in general, it's a side, in general, it's maybe the, the fear of living an ordinary life that doesn't really matter. At, mm. at least what we think. But specifically right now with the pandemic, it's a fear of things going back to the way they were, even though you have these mixed feelings of I kind of uh, am looking forward to it. Yet deep down, I'm also sort of not. And I feel weird about that. So, yeah. Seth, I want to unpack with you because I'm really curious about you guys, you know, you and Amber and your boys. Um, we all know that the pandemic sucked. Like nobody is going to argue that. And yet... There's some weird stuff that 
is was a surprising kind of um, delight or, you know, and and so I'm curious for you, your clan, what were some of the surprising delights from this quarantine time? Yeah. So last night we were talking, you know, it's our spring break and I went down to my parents' house and we were sitting on the back porch and um, they have both now been vaccinated. They had a neighbor who has been vaccinated and the neighbor came over last night and they were all sitting outside in the back porch, you know, still being cautious. Um, and my mom was just talking about how much she had loved that and, and sort of needed that. Um, some of those badges of normalcy sort of returning. And I think all of us, um, really do. But one of the things that she said that I thought was really interesting, you know, my mom's in her sixties. And so, um, she, you know, she sees the world through a much more mature lens probably than I do. And, and, um, and certainly probably than most of the, the world does. And she says, you know, there was a lot of things that I was doing before that I just refuse to do now. I'm not going Mm -hmm. back. And, um, she didn't really tell me what those things were, although I have some hunches. If you're listening, mom, uh, we should talk about that. Maybe you could tell me what they are. Um, but, but she said, what are you going to, uh, you know, not go back to, what are you going to give up? What are you, what's, you know, what's going to change for you? And, and I mean, we didn't really, we didn't really unpack it cause we just, you know, the conversation was fluid. We moved on to something else, but I really started thinking about that last night and, you know, my normal pre pandemic was, really just to kind of do everything I was asked to do because I was asked to do it. Um, I was much more social media connected pre pandemic as odd as that is. I would think that, you know, when you're in lockdown, you'd be more connected to social media, but I wasn't, you know, I was, I was sort of churning things because of, you know, some of the things I do in writing and, and, um, you know, other spaces. Um, and so, you know, I just thought, I thought about her question all the way home. And I think it relates to your question. And I think there are just things that, you know, I don't, I, I don't want to return to allowing life to carry me in its flow undirected. Mm-hmm. You know, there was, I, I was not in the best shape of my life because I was so busy that I wasn't carving out time to actually engage my body in any kind of difficult way. Um, I was so busy trying to market my writing that I felt the necessity. I felt like social media was a necessity. Um, I was so busy that at times I didn't have time to really stop and focus and meditate and pray. Um, And I think, you know, the normal that I don't want to get back to is life just sort of sweeping me along in its flow. And in a sense, I feel like I have agency, but I really don't because I just keep doing everything that's put in my way. So mm-hmm. I think that's, that's kind of where, where I, I mean, that was my pre pandemic and frankly, our kids were doing it too. I was leading our kids in that same direction, you know, um, any athletic event that they wanted to do, we did any, you know, and I think now we're just like, you know, we can't be that busy, um, and be healthy because in a lot mm-hmm. of ways, this big year long pause helped us identify areas of unhealth in our life and sort of correct that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think you're alone. I think a lot of people, including most of our listeners, had that experience where we all had the inevitable hardness, you know, of of not getting to do some of the things we love doing. But the surprising forced benefits 
that we didn't see coming, or maybe we did and we were clamoring for them. And this gave us a little bit of an excuse to embrace them. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Are there things that you miss from normal? Um, sort of. <laughs> so yeah, so Kyle and I had this experience just to kind of lay the foundation of mid-March being right when Tate, our oldest daughter's theater group, was doing their spring or winter show. And so we got the notice of lockdown right before they could do their second performance of mm. Fiddler on the Roof. Mm. And so they had been practicing and rehearsing and doing all the things, which takes so much work, both for her, but even for us as the parents transporting and volunteering and doing all the things that it was a sudden like Thursday night, they performed Friday morning, we got the text saying shows canceled. And mm. then then Saturday, they asked for parent volunteers to come and tear down the set that was going to be up all weekend so that they could do mm -hmm. four shows. Yeah. And so we had this experience of a literal on off switch with an activity that Afterwards, like after we just did the utilitarian, okay, let's help take down the set and and just interact with each other, see if everything's okay. Kyle and I kind of quietly, secretly to ourselves said, well, this is kind of nice. <laughs> yeah. We, of course, felt for the kids who had been working hard, including our daughter. Um, and, you know, because March 2020 was the way it was, they all said, you know, we'll do the show maybe in a few weeks or maybe in a month. Hmm. We'll see. <laughs> just hold tight. Yeah. You know, and so Kyle and I both were intrigued by the idea that we were relieved. Um, you know, show week is always a major uh, event in our lives that is both exhausting but fun yeah. and very social, like people everywhere nonstop. Uh, my introvert bucket gets, you know, depleted <laughs> beyond. Anyway, yes. so we both felt weird about liking lockdown at first. Especially mm -hmm. when so many of our friends were bemoaning and being sad about not getting to see people. Kyle and I were like, ah, thank you for the sweet relief of having a reason to hunker down a little bit. Because we, yeah. we like local. We like where we live. We like being home as best we can. I mean, we're kind of a paradox. Like we both like going to the opposite side of the earth and we like being home a lot. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think a lot of people are like that. But anyway... So for me, as it's been a year now, what I find I miss are the impromptu smaller gatherings. I miss the friends getting together for an easy dinner or let's all go to the neighborhood pool and bring your own dinner and we'll just hang out while the kids swim or the, you know, let's all just go to the park and hang out kind of events. I don't miss the official, you know, capital E events like a show week. I mean, I hate to say it, but I just don't, I don't miss school sponsored functions. I don't miss parties. And, and this is probably just me, but um, it's, it's a real thing. I think this phono of being nervous about these things ramping up again and yeah. not knowing what to do with it. Like you just yeah. kind of feel these mixed feelings. Like it's a sign of things being better because the pandemic is, is lessening, but it's also a sign of, of not having as much agency as you maybe feel like you have whenever you're just forced to be at home and find ways to occupy your time. 
So that's the the thing I'm really interested in because I keep hearing this from people that almost are saying it under their breath. Like they are, they are fearful of admitting it, but I think all of us have some version of it right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, there are certainly things, you know, to answer my own question, there are certainly, certainly some things that I miss too. I miss going to the movies with my kids. Um, I don't miss spending $1 billion at the concession stand. Um, mm-hmm. But I, you know, I do miss, there are some events like that I miss, but I mean, to your point, like what a relief it was to not have to navigate uh, Christmas parties in right. 2020, right. And new year's Eve gatherings. Mm-hmm. Um, what a relief it was in some ways. And I love my family, but you know, Thanksgiving was kind of a relief. Like it was yeah. slow. It was simple. Um, and, and there were just a lot of those things where I, you know, I didn't realize how much of a break, you know, I needed. And, and, and maybe, maybe there's something to this. I mean, maybe, um, you know, maybe there's something to that sort of fallow year, um, taking space off every now and then to sort of reset and recalibrate and ask yourself, like, what is normal? And I think that's my big question to you with this idea of, of phono is that it assumes, a normal mm-hmm. and the normal that it assumes actually, and maybe it's just my personality type, but feels really abnormal to me. Yeah. The normal that it assumes is, is a hectic pace, a go, 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 always on, always gathering, going with the flow of the river, uh, not guiding yourself, always saying yes. Um, and, and maybe, maybe that's a mystery on my part. Mm-hmm. No, do you remember when everything first started, like last spring, when there were pictures floating around the internet of before and afters in different places around the world with pollution? And, yeah. you know, like traffic. I remember the picture traffic, and I remember the picture of um, the Taj Mahal with the smog before and after. Yeah. To me, those were um, visual reminders of what maybe we're talking about here this idea of like wait so that's normal but shouldn't that be normal Mm -hmm. how do we make it like that all the time without Mm -hmm. a global pandemic and i think that's that's kind of what we're talking about here this taking the good of the forced lockdown and making it our normal making it our ordinary to where we want life to go back to normal because we've redefined normal you know um Yeah. And so I think that's a very apropos, astute feeling you're talking about this idea of like, wait, I should be glad, but maybe I don't like this definition of normal that I've had this whole time. And so for me, I'm reflecting a lot of this on my experiences of travel and in particular living overseas in a cross-cultural environment, what it's like to go through the thing called re-entry, this thing that is inevitable that everybody mm-hmm. goes through that mm-hmm. you can't escape. And yet it's easy to pretend like it's not going to happen to you or that it's not that big a deal. Yeah. And it is. And so my process right now, and I think I'm encouraging other people right now is to go through a little bit of reentry reflection because it's real. Um, you know, whenever Kyle, whenever the five of us went on our backpacking trip around the world for a year, it was, we went for a lot of reasons, but one of the main reasons was for fun because we wanted to. And for some reason, I think I told myself that because of that, reentry wouldn't be as big a deal 
which I don't even know what I was thinking at the time. But <laughs> our reentry, we've had all sorts of experience living overseas in challenging environments. We knew, and yet our reentry was really rocky because mm-hmm. we weren't prepared for it. Mm-hmm. And so, to me, that's the lesson learned here. As we re-enter a little bit of normalcy, um, the thing to remember, you know, this is kind of an idea called reverse culture shock. This, you know, when you go somewhere that's not your culture, you experience culture shock. Whenever you come back to your home culture, you experience reverse culture shock because the world maybe didn't change around you, but you did. Mm -hmm. And so now you have to reckon with the unchanged world and the changed you. Yeah. And perhaps the world is going to go back to its sort of unchanged self. And yet you don't, you like the changed you or you want to keep up some practices and habits. And so to me, that's what this is reflective of. And it's real. And I think the reminder here for all of us is that we have to go really easy on ourselves, like super gracious and kind to ourselves because it's not pretend. It's not all in your head. Um, Mm -hmm. It can show up in our physical selves, you know, when it comes to sleep or health or, or anxiety, you know, it'll show up like that. It'll show up in relationships. It'll show up in our responses to things, you know, where we'll be short tempered and, um, and maybe even feel a little depressed or just apathetic, you know, acedia. There's all sorts of ways that this re-entry can manifest itself and all are okay. And yet all need to be addressed and and reflected on. Yeah. Hey guys, a quick break to give a really big thank you to our sponsor, Rothy's. They've been an amazing longtime sponsor and I really love what they're about. Rothy's makes shoes and bags that are sustainable, beautiful, stylish, eco-friendly, and all those other adjectives to basically say super durable and machine washable. I've been wearing both their Chelsea boots and their flats for a couple of years now. Both still look brand new and are as comfortable as the day when I first got them. They're easy to dress up or down and they go with almost everything. I'm also loving Rothy's new line of lace-ups and along with their bags, they also now have washable face masks for both adults and kids. All the fabric they use is made from recycled plastic water bottles, and yet it's super soft and amazingly comfortable, just right for a zero break-in period. So far, Rothy's has transformed over 70 million single-use plastic bottles into unique and amazing stuff. And maybe best of all, when your shoes, bags, and masks are ready for a refresh, they're fully machine washable. No more soaking and scrubbing by hand. You just toss it all in with the laundry. So check out all their evolving styles of flats, sneakers, sandals, boots, bags, and all of their colors and patterns by going to rothys.com slash friend. That's R-O-T-H-Y-S dot com slash friend. Rothy's is where style and sustainability meet to create the shoes and bags you've been looking for. So one more time, that's rothys.com slash friend. All right, back to our chat. So talk to me about this. I mean, you you are you are sort of an expert. You say you're not an expert on anything, but you are sort of an expert on reentry. You are. Okay. You've you've right. done it a lot. Isn't that fair? Sure. I think it's fair, I guess. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. You could write a book on it. Um, so yeah, you you are um sort of an expert on reentry. 
one of the things that we talk about here a lot is um, really being captivated by the good, the true, and the beautiful, really taking stock of what's good, true, and beautiful. It seems to me that um, there is a real intersection here for reentry. And it seems to me that maybe what we discovered in lockdown for some of us, and, and maybe for a lot of us, was a simpler way. Um, a more beautiful way, a truer way. Like a lot of us have discovered who we really are. Mm -hmm. Um, We've discovered some really good things like how to grow food or how to make sourdough. And I know those are sort of tropey, but like just scroll your Instagram feed. It's spring. Everyone's planting again. (laughs) Uh Yeah. So um, it seems to me that when we talk about re-entry into whatever the world or the market is going to call uh, normal, we need to hold on to some of those good, true, and beautiful things that we've, we've sort of found kind of like what you're saying, like the world may not have changed, uh, when it reopens back up, but we have. And so my question for you is, is how do you, you know, take stock of and hold on to some of those good, true, and beautiful things? What are some steps that we can all take um, as we re-enter the world, to remember um, who we've become over the last year and to carry that with us into this, you know, new or old normal. How do we c- carry our new selves into the old normal? Well, speaking of tropes, some of this is going to sound tropey, but you know, there's a reason tropes exist, right? Because sometimes they're kind of true. <laughs> a lot of times they're true. Yeah. Um. So the first one in this is legit, even though my kids roll their eyes at this, and that's to create a gratitude list. Mm. I mean, I I cringe saying that, but I mean in a real way. I don't mean in a um, Pinterest-worthy way. I mean, like, in your journal, start making a practice of writing down maybe three times a day, or sorry, once a day, three things you are grateful for. I like to do this practice at the end of the day because it's sort of an Ignatian examine sort of Mm -hmm. idea of Mm -hmm. backwards prayer, looking back and seeing where you saw God that day. Um, And the other thing I recommend is being really specific because you start noticing the little things in your life. So I don't just mean a home, you know, or family, which is so easy to do. I mean, think of like, okay, that one joke my kid told I'm thankful for that because he's growing in a sense of humor and he's actually becoming legitimately funny. This is one of mine. (laughs) That's recent. Um, Or, you know, some kind of not just food, but like that particular Brussels sprouts recipe is damn good. I'm so Mm -hmm. grateful for it. And Mm -hmm. I found something that my kids will eat that's green, that kind of thing. So be grateful and acknowledge the gratitude. And so what that does is that helps you acknowledge when things feel like when it, when it feels like everything sucks or everything's stressful, it forces you to slow down and realize, okay, even when everything feels overwhelming, there are some good things in life. Yeah. Yeah. So that's one step. And then the second step, like once you just make this part of your daily routine, I don't want this to sound like a shameless plug, but Hey, it's our show um, (laughs) is to, is to create a rule of life. Yeah. And what this rule of life does is it helps you write down on paper the things you care about and the things you don't care about. And I say shameless yeah. plug because I have a 
pay what you want audio workshop for it. So we'll put a link in the show notes. But basically, it's the way I write my rule of life. And I visit it two times a year, like revisit it uh, at the new year and on my birthday. But you know what? Any time is great. Um, And it helps you think through the six parts of your life. And the practice that I have come to embrace is um, looking three years into the future. And it doesn't mean in a blue sky like Lucy Goosey, how would everything be perfect? But in a reality, like, what do you want your life to be like in three years? And I pick three years because three years is accessible enough to be real. You know, if we do 10 years, that's like, uh, who knows, really? Um, But one year is still too much where you are right now. But if you look three years in the future, you can think, okay, oh, my gosh, my oldest will be college age. What the heck? Um, And are we still living where we're living? Are we still, Mm -hmm. you know, all these things. Anyway, to me, creating a rule of life to where you work backwards from three years to one year to one month to right now helps you realize like it's our daily choices that affect us. You know that Annie Dillard quote, um, how we spend our days is, of course, how we spend our lives. Yeah. It's that idea. So we have this picture in our head of like, I, I want to be someone in shape. I want to be fit. I want to care about my physical health. But until you're the person that goes to CrossFit or puts on your running shoes and go for a run, it remains an idea. Yeah. And, and so I think we can apply this to the idea of FONO as we start opening back up in the world um, during this still pandemic, but it's getting better. So, you know, um, you can think about maybe the things that matter to you and draw a line a little bit in the sand. Like you might realize, like you said, we don't have to do every single sport available to us. Yeah. So the yeah. line in our sand is going to be one sport per kid per year. And you got to pick, you know, yeah. or, or, oh, I realized I did not miss eating out as much. And oh my gosh, we saved so much money. Mm-hmm. So we are now going to eat out once every two weeks instead yeah. of three times a week, stuff like that. Right. But it, it right. helps you to actually get granular and think about it. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. One of the mm-hmm. things that I do, you know, as I help, um, you know, you know this, I help uh, coach, uh, organize, sometimes write um, for other authors. And one of the things that um, I, you know, I like to say a lot is, is, when you're trying to tell a story, be as granular and specific and as time bound as possible. Hmm. You know, if I'm telling you about my journey uh, to fitness, I probably don't need to tell you every detail of my life from the age of six to 12, because it probably doesn't really matter. There's probably actually a point at which Um, my journey to fitness fell off and where I picked it back up. And those very specific things are important. It's the specific times that really matter in any story that we tell. It's the specific actions within the specific time. Time is a character. And so when you're talking about things like a gratitude list, particularly when we're sort of focusing on um, this fear of, of normalcy, this fear of the return to normalcy, um, it seems to me that that, it would be helpful, it could be helpful to look back at the last year to juxtapose that particular time against the world before and mm-hmm. to say, what am I grateful for about the last year? Mm-hmm. Or what is the rule of life I've cultivated in the last year? What pieces of that gratitude, what pieces of that rule of life do I want to carry forward as we move into this return to normalcy? Again, 
saying like, if, if these are going to be my two practices, let's make sure that it's not just like you said, like pie in the sky, like, you know, these are things I really like. And so these are things I'm going to do. No. What are the things that have changed about me in the last year that are very uh, particular to the last year and that I want to hold on to that? Like, I don't want to lose. Um, and so I guess my question to you is, is do you think that would be, be helpful to sort of, um, you know, narrow it down to the last year? And then um, if so, what are some things that, you know, for you, like, you're like, you know what, I, I want to carry this into the new normal, like specifically. Yeah. Yes. I think reflecting on the past year has to happen for all of us. I think, you know, in the spirit of re-entry to pretend like we can just slide right back into normal and just, oh, well, the goodness of last year or not acknowledging the good things and the bad things combined is not only to miss out on an opportunity, but I think it it will have ramifications later. You know, I kept hearing throughout the year about how we're all going through this low-grade trauma. And I think that's real. I think it's real. You know, I'm a high school teacher part-time, and we would talk in staff meetings sometimes whenever we're just frustrated at, like, why do they ask for instructions for the thing I said clearly? And, what's, <laughs> you know, all the, all the teacher complaints. We would inevitably need to remind ourselves, like, these teens are going through a really hard thing. And we got to give them a lot of grace, the same mm-hmm. grace that we want for ourselves. And yeah. I say that to say, it's easy to, at this point, a year in to think, you know, come on, get over it. You, you're fine moving forward. That was a year when really there's trauma to unpack. Yeah, and right. there's also good things to unpack. And so I yeah. think reflecting on the past year is essential um, to look back and acknowledge the good and the bad. And I think that gratitude list is is key for that. So I completely agree with you. And I think the two ideas as you reflect that are important are one, it's okay to mourn change that you don't like or want. So not everything from this past year you love. It's okay to acknowledge that I did not like that. I did not like, you know, all of us being on top of each other in the house. And I did not like virtual school where my kids were on screens 22 out of 24 hours a day or whatever. Um, It's okay to mourn the change that you don't like that's coming. You know, perhaps you liked some form of virtual school. Perhaps you liked the lack of school activities and all the papers that come home. Um, And it's okay to mourn the idea that that might return. Yeah. And then with that, remember that there are these newfound practices you're allowed to keep because you're not required to return to business as usual. Like, you know, in a weird way, we've all been given this blank slate, sort of. And while some things are inevitable, you know, like traffic, I'm I've mourned the loss of that low traffic phase of the pandemic. Yeah. It's back up to near normal here in central Texas. And I hate that. But there are some things that I can control. And so since you're asking me specifically, um, and I shared, I, I think I shared this with Amber because I did garden a little bit before but in a really small way, but I really learned a lot about gardening during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to keep this a, a regular practice now. Yeah. You know, we've, we've got the chickens, we've, we've got the, 
the raised beds. I like that some of our food comes from the backyard. I'm not going to aspire to lofty ambitions where 100% of it will. But hey, perhaps I can get a little better at this over time and learn about canning next. That's actually on my to-do list or to-learn list next. Um, I like that. And I like that our kids, I, I don't know... I don't want to say they've become different people, but I feel a bit like they have learned a lot more about each other and how to be friends with each other. And I'm not necessarily ready for them to just go their separate ways with, I mean, they need to because they are different ages and it's good to have your own life. But um, I don't know. I, I want our family routine of, of a lot more, togetherness to continue and i need to think through i mean this is a great example of i need to think through what does that look like boots on the ground so yeah yeah Mm -hmm. how about you what's something you want to keep doing yeah i think you know to me one of the big realizations of the pandemic was just how much fragility is baked into the world um i think for a long time we sort of assumed that you know wars don't really affect us anymore, at least not the major industrial countries, you know, um, that food supply is always going to be there. The pandemics were a thing that sort of, you know, again, for, you know, sort of the industrial countries, the, the, the developed, developed countries, those kind of ended in 1918, 1919, you know? Um, and I think there's been a, a, real, a very real realization for me that the world is fragile. Um, You know, we had food shortages here. I don't know if you did there. It wasn't a ton, but it was some staple stuff. And so, yeah, food supplies, you know, are fragile. Um, Life is fragile. Things are fragile. Um, We've all lost friends. Things are fragile. I think for me, part of it is just understanding, um, you know, that I want to carry forward is understanding that the world is fragile. Systems are fragile. Our bodies are fragile and that we just can't take anything for granted. Um, Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that we live in fear and it doesn't mean that we freak out, but by the same token, if I can keep yeast alive in a starter, or if I can can, you know, some of Amber's vegetables um, or, you know, whatever the case may be, if I can go, um, push my body a little bit harder to make me a less, a, a little less fragile, like those are the things I want to carry forward. All of these practices of sort of anti-fragility. Um, mm-hmm. and I think there's a lot of, man, and I hate, I hate this cause it feels like such a jargony uh, word these days, but I just feel like there was a lot of fragility pre-pandemic in the way we lived our lives. Um, and I think that a lot of that will return if I'm being mm-hmm. honest. Um, mm-hmm. And I just don't want to go back there. So yeah. for me, the idea of carrying um, a tougher ethos, I know that sounds like sort of maybe a, a man thing to say or a masculine thing to say, but I don't think it's wholly masculine. No. But like carrying a tougher constitution, strengthening our family systems, uh, strengthening um, you know, the, the, the structures that we have to sort of, you know, feed us and care for us. Um, and a lot of that is going to mean not engaging in the systems of the world the way we used to. And a lot of it will mean doing a little bit more of that too. I mean, if I'm being honest, like when things open back up and, you know, the economy rolls a little bit 
more, I'm going to try to make hay while the sun shines because you yeah. don't know when that next period of fragility is is coming. And um, I know for a lot of our listeners and for me, there was a three month period there that was really frightening, you know, like yeah. where, where is the money going to come from? And is this all going to shut down? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think even like strengthening my, my continuing to strengthen our systems in, in, in like economically, like our family economics. I mean, that's a part of what I want to carry forward. Mm-hmm. So I think there's that's- a lot of this return to normalcy that I just don't want. I don't want the soft way of living anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that again, I know that sounds awful tropey, but I just think that we've realized that we're tougher than we thought and mm-hmm. carrying that toughness forward is, is really important. Well, I think there's a real reason why there were so many comparisons early on to the eras of the Great Depression and World War II, because those are markers of that generation, right? The yeah, toughness, yeah, the yeah. the resiliency and the reckoning with this is real life. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I feel exactly the same way. And I think one thing that I've been mindful of is how our modern culture loves to pacify with entertainment. Yeah. You know, we love to ignore the the feelings of there should be more or is this all there is by just clicking next on Netflix or or going out to eat again. And for me, it's a simple idea of making those things your entertainment, which I know sounds cliche. And I remember feeling this way when we first moved overseas, like, oh, the realities of day-to-day living need to be my fun. But, you know, things like making sourdough bread, perhaps you don't do that regularly anymore, but maybe you do it once a month and that becomes a form of entertainment or slow cooking becomes your fun or learning a new skill through YouTube, but, you know, you're using your hands becomes your fun instead of just trying to drown out the world with some distraction, you know? So kind of dovetailing the idea of entertainment with real work, I think is a good way for us in 2021 to realize this, which of course our grandparents in the forties and thirties would never call it entertainment. They would call it survival. You know, (laughs) we literally have to grow food or we don't eat. Um, But since we don't have to now yet, if you want to, because who knows when the next have to will come, then make it your fun. And that's what I'm learning. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as usual, I have learned a lot uh, from you on this show and in our friendship about uh, FONO. And now I have practices to not um, have to be fearful, I guess. There you go. I don't know yeah. that I was actually fearful anyway. I'm kind of stubborn. So I had just stubbornly <laughs> decided that I'm not going to go forward the way I used to. Um, yeah. But, you know, not everybody is stubborn. So there you go. Well, and I think fear can look like different things too, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It's good. So Tish, what exactly are you reading, watching, or listening to right now that has brought a little truth, beauty, or goodness to your life? Right now, I am skimming through the book Zero Waste Home by B. Johnson. So it kind of it, it dovetails rather well with the topic that we were just talking about. Um, it was written 10 years ago, and my neighbor down the street lent it to Tate because she knew that Tate was into being all green and, you know, hippie these days, and that we always have been, you know, as, as a family. But anyway, it's a book that just talks about um, how to eliminate waste in your life. And this family since 2008 has managed to accumulate the amount of trash that can fit into one quart size jar every year. So she just goes through and explains the different practices she she 
you know, inhabits so that that is a reality. And I'm not under the illusion that we will ever get to that point, nor do I even really want to put that much effort into that idea. But I love the spirit and the ethos behind it. So I figured if I can pick up three to five tips, then and it makes our our waste just a little bit less than it'll be worth the read. So yeah. that's what I'm reading. I love it. I love it. How about you? How about you? What are you reading, watching, or listening to? Well, I have been listening to um, a podcast called Chasing Excellence by Ben Bergeron. I don't know if you know this podcast, but he, um, he I guess that he's the he uh, is the owner, runs uh, CrossFit, I think, New England. Um, and, I, you know, I don't really get into self-help podcasts and I'm not a big fan of like the excellence language for a a variety of reasons. I think it, it's starting to mean something that it doesn't actually mean, but that said, I really love this guy. I love his podcast. Um, and yesterday he, um, he had, or I guess yesterday I listened to his latest episode, which, um, he had a guest on talking about, um, endurance and overcoming and, and sort of uh, the mental game of actually doing more than you think you can do and how right. a lot of times we quit because we think we can't do any more, but it's actually a mental issue, not a physiological issue. And I think that really um, applies to a lot of things in our lives. I think a lot of times we give up because we think we can't do you know, X, Y, or Z. We can't take another step. Um, but really, a lot of that really is mental, and I think it's right. And and the reason I'm listening to this is because I'll just share this with you. Last week, you know, where we are as a person who is avidly CrossFitting now, um, we are in the middle of the CrossFit Open. I don't know if you remember this from your days of CrossFit, but last week's exercise was Dante's Seventh Circle of Hell. Um, <laughs> it was a violence to the body, and all I wanted to do when I was done, when I was finished. Um, was writhe in pain and agony and pray the Lord to take my soul. So um, after that workout, I've been super fascinated with this idea of pushing human limitations um, into pain and to see what's on the other side. And this was sort of a first step in that direction. So yeah, that's what I've been listening to. It's it's been it was really inspiring. Nice. All right. Well, we'll add that podcast to the show notes if anyone else wants to, um, you know, make meaning out of. Uh, circles of hell in their life right now. So yes, right. Yeah, yes. I got it. I get it. There are many. All right. All right. Well, it is time to wrap this up. You can find this episode as well as all episodes at a drink with a friend.com. It's also where you can sign up for our new Substack space for the show where we have plans for some pretty great extra stuff for you. And it's also where you can support the show for just a few bucks. If you like what we are bringing to your earbuds, we're almost 100% listener supported. We kind of like it that way. So again, this is all at a drink with a friend.com and in the show notes of this particular episode. You can find me and all my work at tishoxenwriter.com. Seth, where can people find you? They can find me at sethhaines.com. Sign up for my newsletter there. Follow me on Instagram. Say anywhere on social media. All at sethhaines.com. Nice. Music for the show is by Kevin McLeod. Editing is by Kyle Oxenwriter. And Caroline Tissell is our transcriber and assistant extraordinaire. I'm Tish Oxenwriter, and Seth and I will be back here with you soon. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.